if you're just starting out and trying to figure out what can I do uh, to get some real estate in my portfolio, I'm not sure what to do. This episode is going to be perfect for you. So then there's going to, we're going to go through all the ways you can do it. Cause really most of the stuff we've talked about so far, it's just been, you know, stories about active investing that we're doing or uh, how you can invest, you know, just deal by deal passively, but there are other ways to invest. I'm Drew Brenneman, and this is the Rise and Invest podcast. I bought my first two properties as a 19-year-old with my own money that I earned from an online business I started in high school. I've now grown my portfolio from that first duplex to hundreds of millions of dollars of investment property. My goal with this show is to give you the resource I wanted when I first started out. Subscribe to our podcast where I break down real-life stories, tactics, strategies, and current market information you need to be a successful investor. This is the Rise and Invest podcast. I'm Drew Brenneman, back today with another episode. Today's episode is going to be about the different ways you can invest in real estate. And I think before I jump into that, just want to mention we've rebranded our company from Rise Invest to Brenneman Capital. So we just wanted to do a brand refresh. And originally we were using the name Brenneman, just wanted to go back to it. Uh, so check out our new website, Brenneman.com. So B as in boy, R-E-N-E-M-A-N.com. So same team, same strategy, same everything, uh, just new name. So with, with that out of the way, just wanted to uh, uh, you know, wanna point out, I guess, if you're watching this a little different setup than usual, just shooting this kind of quickly in my office here um, and just wanted to do something maybe a little more simple and break down the, uh, how, to, how you can invest in real estate, what the different ways are. Maybe this is more of like a beginner episode, I'd say, where, you know, if you're already like a real estate professional and in, in real estate, you know, there's not, um, I don't know how much you're going to take away from this, but if you're just starting out and trying to figure out what can I do uh, to get some real estate in my portfolio, I'm not sure what to do. This episode is going to be perfect for you. So then there's going to, we're going to go through all the ways you can do it. Cause really most of the stuff we've talked about so far, it's just been, you know, stories about active investing that we're doing or uh, how you can invest, you know, just deal by deal passively, but there are other ways to invest. So I guess before I run through every way, um, actually I think it'd make more sense. I'll just mention the the five ways as I see it and then kind of how I think about it. So really like the first way you can do it is just active investing, just buying a deal on your own or with a partner. And then that's, um, you know, probably the most common way you hear about just someone buys a duplex with on their own or uh, with, with like a buddy. And then, the, you know, there's uh, other ways too. So you can invest in public REIT stocks. You can invest in a, in a deal directly through a syndication. That's what we do. So we find the deal and then people invest in it. And then also similar to that, there's two other options. Uh, there's real estate funds. So same uh, similar concept. I'll get into the differences, pros and cons later. And then also there's non-traded REITs. So all the three of those last ones, you know, they don't have any, uh, or really all four of those last ones, they don't have any day-to-day involvement. So that's kind of where, like I think, like uh, starting to think about like what investment would be right for me or for, for you listening and watching. Uh, really like how active do you want to be with this investment? And, you know, and, and with that, like how much control and availability do I want to want to have with like my my life? So if you're, um, you know, so I'd, you know, I'd answer that for yourself. If you say, yeah, I'm fine starting a, a part time business, essentially, and I like to have full control of every decision. And um, then then that's going to dictate what you want to do. If let's say you're I don't know, you're heading towards retirement and you don't want to 
I don't want to take on more work. I just want to make some money and um, diversify my portfolio with something that's not correlated with the stock market. Like then that's going to dictate what you want to do. And then from there, like I'd say, I really would think about like what, what's your investment horizon and what are your liquidity needs from a timing standpoint? So like if, if you obviously, if you need the same liquidity as the stock market, that's going to change what you can invest in. Whereas if you're okay with a longer uh, investment horizon, let's say you're okay investing money in things where um, you're not able to tap into that for, let's say, three to 10 years, and that's going to that's gonna open up what you can invest in. So really, I think answering those things is how I would start. And then from there, that's going to sort of just dictate what, what option is going to be best for you. So I guess to kind of go through the list here, um, and a lot of this is actually from our passive investing guidebook too. Um, this is a much longer form version than what, what's in the guidebook. But if you're interested in these kind of topics, uh, you can go to brenneman.com slash downloads. We have a, a hundred page book on all the different uh, pieces of investing in real estate, different terms, a glossary, things like this. We, we touch on each way in the guidebook. Um, so you, you could you could read this for yourself later if you'd like. Uh, and this, this is just a longer form version of that where I'll, I'm going to, I can read it too and then explain it. But really, so like, let's say the first, let's start with the first, uh, the first thing you could invest in. This is what we do are, uh, direct investments, uh, on a deal by deal basis. So also the, everyone calls those syndications. So what those are, that's when a group of individuals or firms, they aggregate capital for the purpose of investing in real estate with direct ownership in the property. This is often done with a sponsor or general partner that acts as the point of contact and handles the day-to-day management and operations. In this model, outside investors contribute capital to the partnership in exchange for interest in the entity as limited partners. And then everyone calls limited partners LPs. So you have your your sponsor or general partner, which everyone calls the GP, and then the investors it's called LPs. And on these deals, the cash from operations or capital events like a sale or refinance, those flow through the partnership to the GPs and LPs. And so what's really nice with these, uh, with this setup for, for really for the LPs is that you get to review the deal prior to investing in it. There's other uh, options we'll get into where they're also passive, but you don't have a say in, in what your money is going into where on, let's say I mentioned REITs or the funds, like they don't check with you uh, as a shareholder, as a, someone who invested in the fund, like, can we buy this deal or not? They have a strategy they laid out on those other options. And then as long as it follows that, they're, they are, they're not going to check with you on it. So the one, one real benefit to syndications and direct investing deal by deal is you as the, the investor, you can, you can decide how, how you want to approach that deal. You could look at it and go, timing's great for me. I have uh, extra money from something right now, and I'm okay with this uh, hold period they're talking about, and I really like the deal. You can choose to invest more than in that deal and then in the, you know, because you have a high conviction in it. And then on the flip side, if, if you look at it and you go, you know what, this deal's not for me. I really want to do apartments, and then uh, they're buying a, a car wash or something different or just some, some strategy I'm not as I don't know that much about and I want to sit out or maybe they're going to buy the, an office building or something. And you go, I just, you can, you can choose to say, uh, I'm, I'm out on this one. So that's, that's a major, major benefit, uh, in my mind, 
Um, obviously like one thing that's nice with the, you know, I'd say the, one of the negatives I could think of with the deal by deal investing is that that takes more work. Now, instead of, if it's just like investing in a stock or in a fund where you put your money in and then you're just going to be in, in every deal they do this now, if that sort of ability to choose the deal that you want to invest in and how much, if that was not appealing, then that's actually going to turn into a negative because now you have to be paying attention and reviewing the deals and then uh, deciding how much to put in, sending your money in separately uh, for every deal. Whereas if let's say you just wanted to invest, uh, you know, uh, 200,000 in real estate and you put it in a fund, you just send it in once where instead, if you're going to do that, it'd be smart to spread that out over four deals, let's say, and put 50,000 in each. So then you got to do the same thing four times. You got to wait for a deal to come out. You got to wire in your money. So that's really the main, uh, let's say negative I could think of, um, in terms of for that, that setup, but it's a great, it's a great way to invest in real estate. You get your, the tax benefits as an owner of the property are shared with you. So those flow through to every owner in the deal, including yourself as a, as a LP. So I think that, um, that pretty much covers that. So then I'd say the next way I see people investing in real estate, it's another passive way to invest. Uh, and that's the real estate funds I was touching on. So funds have similarities to syndications, but are ultimately they're they're different. The structure is generally the same, but there's an additional layer of ownership. Additional special purpose entities are created for each new acquisition, serving to shield the fund from liabilities arising from individual properties. And then the fund can either invest alongside uh, operators, let's say investing in other people's deals. So then that's going to add another layer of ownership, or they might be the the sole operator and just be the fund will be the direct owner. And usually funds or really every fund, I should say, they have a predetermined scope of what they invest in. So it's not just like I give the, the person running the fund money and then they can just buy anything. Like there, there will be a predetermined scope and framework for what kind of deals they can buy, what's the leverage amount going to be. Um, so a leverage amount. So how, what uh, would be their loan to value on each purchase? Um, like that'll be all dictated in there and also the fund life. So it'll say like, this is a five-year fund or seven years or seven year with the ability to extend up to three years. If the manager wants to, uh, those are always going to be, uh, set out. So if like, if that matches with what you really want to do, where I want to have this for five to seven years, let's say, and I like their strategy and odds are, I just invest the same amount in every deal anyways. And I want to not, I don't want to have to invest in all these deals one by one, like then, then a fund would be a good option for you. You know, the downside of investing in a fund is that you're not able to decide deal by deal. So let's say there's just some, uh, you know, I don't know, uh, like you're more interested in investing in a certain state than others in this company that has the fund invest in a bunch of states. You're not going to have the ability to say, oh, I want to sit out all the Let's pick on a state, you know, all the, all the, I'm from Wisconsin. So I want to sit out all the Wisconsin deals. You know, I don't, um, you're not going to have that ability. If that's where the fund can invest in the Midwest, then they pick this Wisconsin deal, you're, you're in it. And then they, and they don't check with you. You know, they don't need to run it by you. What do you think of this deal? They, um, you've invested in the fund for their expertise and knowledge. And so they're, they're going to proceed without checking with you. So that's, that's the, you know, the main downside I'd say is just not having that ability to kind of veto things one by one, but you do get really good diversification. You know, let's say that fund buys 20 properties and you were in, in that example I had investing 
$200,000, you're going to, you're getting more diversification, uh, through the fund than through the one-off deal, uh, in that, you know, odds, I think most people who invest in, uh, the deals deal by deal, they like, um, you know, knowing what their money's going into for sure. And then deciding, and then also, you know, you could, they can, uh, you know, might have, uh, might like different deals that have different timelines. So let's say the fund, it says every, you're going to get all your money back in five years. Whereas if you're doing it deal by deal, you could say, oh, I'll invest in this deal. That's a three-year hold. This one's a five, this one's a 10, and then kind of spread out when you're going to get your money back. So I think that's like also a plus of the um, direct investing, the syndications versus fund. But yeah, funds are great for diversification and uh, doing the least amount of work um, for like, say, private uh, private real estate. So then, then the third way to invest in uh, private real estate passively is through non-traded REITs. So really like what, what these are is it's similar to like a REIT as you would think of like a REIT stock where um, you're buying units in a in a company similar to a fund uh, and you're going to get that diversification across uh, multiple properties. Um, the benefit, let's say, to the non-traded REIT is there there is going to be a liquidity option. So the REIT will, you'll be able to sell your, your REIT shares um, and they'll do some, still do some sort of valuation every, whenever the uh, predetermined exit points are, whether that's going to be quarterly or semi-annually or annually. Um, non-traded REITs, though, they get a really bad rap and for good reason. Like the whole industry is I don't, pretty controversial almost because the, the fees generally on all these are really high. Um, you know, it's common for investors to pay a 10% uh, load to the person selling them essentially this investment. So let's say you're investing, you know, a dollar, only 90 cents of that is going into the actual investment if you're paying that kind of fee to get in. Um, so then you have to make a like an 11% return just to get back to zero on that. And then the, the fees are not cheap as you go uh, year to year, the asset management fees. And then, you know, I think a, a lot of these when you have a um, a point where you can exit, so where you do have that liquidity option quarterly or annually or whatever, uh, the valuation is not to, to me like clear how that's coming up where it's nice in these other deals like with a fund or uh, the syndications, like they actually sell the property. So, you know, you got the best price for your building and for your units of, of what your investment's holding because uh, you actually sold it to the highest bidder. Where this, you're going to get some sort of private valuation that maybe has a discount applied to it. So non-traded REITs are something that would uh, you, you might hear if you're looking to invest in the private real estate market and, and you're looking for like a liquidity option. But I would definitely recommend investing in a deal directly or in a regular real estate fund over over a non-traded REIT. So and then uh, sort of lastly, another option and really the only one if you want liquidity um, is really investing in public market REITs. So REITs are companies that own and operate or finance income producing properties. And these are, these are, think of them as just stocks. Uh, you know, they're all traded on the, on the New York stock exchange or whatever stock exchange it's going to, they're on and they are, they're essentially stocks and what they own are buildings that produce income. So the company is an Apple or Microsoft or something. The company is just a collection of income producing properties. So then what's, what's nice with that is you have, you know, every day the stock market's open, you have full liquidity. You can sell them at any point. I mean, some people almost that's, um, 
one of the reasons they like real estate investing in the private markets is they can't do that. You know, they can't panic sell or they can't, um, they need to see the business plan out. Like the market gets choppy and then they, you know, in the stock market, you might be, you're looking at your screen every day for a value. And then, you know, you have to hit the sell button at the, the, the low of the market. Um, so some people actually, they, they view almost the illiquidity in some of these private real estate deals as like a, it's like a plus because then it prevents them from making like a emotional decision. Uh, I still think obviously like having liquidity is better than not. So um, for me, if I could, I'd love to, you know, be able to uh, time the markets more. It's just not how, how real estate works. So, you know, I guess kind of read. So it's great for the liquidity. And then they also, they buy really high quality properties. And so that's, um, they're generally res less risky. And they also, um, they also use pretty low leverage. A lot of times you hear about REITs buying a property and they're putting 50% down and then only borrowing like another 50%. Um, which, you know, most private buyers, I'd say they're, they're in the 65 to 75% LTV range. So a lot of funds or one-off deals will be done like that. Probably funds a little lower LTV, but uh, especially those one-off deals, pretty common to see 70, 75% LTV. And then, so like that's a plus with them being less risky, obviously, but anything that has less risk than lower reward. Uh, so the returns on REITs, generally they haven't been as high as what we've seen in the private markets. We went back and compared it and ran the numbers. Um, and they also, they need to distribute a minimum of 90% of their taxable income to shareholders. Um, so they're, they're not really keeping much cash. Like they don't, uh, they just, whatever they get, they pay out. So you're not getting, um, there's not like, if you are, let's say are an owner on your own, maybe you take that money and you're going to be putting it towards another property or doing something, uh, at the property, but generally they just, they take in the money, they pay it out. So, but on the flip side, there is a dividend then that's usually pretty, pretty healthy. Um, but again, since they're lower leverage, lower risk properties, it's going to be a lower dividend than what the cash flow would have been on a lot of these private market deals. Again, this is all this kind of generalizing, you know, I'm sure there's some REITs that are out there that invest in something that pay more cash flow than some private market deals. But generally speaking, this is how these things work. And then I'd say, so, um, but the main negative with REITs is that they're really correlated with the public markets. They're in the public markets. The returns of a lot of these REITs are really highly correlated with the S&P 500. We have, we ran the actual numbers. So that's in our guidebook. I don't have that in front of me, but uh, the correlation was, was really high. And the correlation with private real estate, uh, the NACREF index, which is the closest thing we got to a index showing where private real estate values are, um, that was had very little correlation with the S&P 500. And to me, like that's a big, that's why to invest in real estate, like it's, it's does it when your stocks go down, it doesn't mean your real estate's going down. Um, it, it obviously could, but it's not it's moving for different reasons and they move differently. And that's, you know, at a certain point you want, you don't want all your investments doing the same thing. Um, so like that's, that to me is the main negative of REITs where you got that high correlation to the S and P 500. And then you got these high frequency traders or hedge funds or whatever they'd be called where they, they have algorithms. They know, okay, usually when there's a recession and interest rates are going up, let's, that puts a lot of pressure on real estate. So then at a time like now, we're shooting this podcast in late 2022. Like the 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 REITs will be oversold to the point where the total value of the REIT will be um, 
will be less than the value of all the assets that they sold them on the private market. So if you just added up the price of every apartment building this apartment REIT owns, then the the whole company on the New York Stock Exchange or wherever it's trading is worth less than than the actual assets. So that's uh, this is not what this episode is about, but look out for like Blackstone and some of these bigger groups that have a lot of money to put out uh, on taking REITs private because they'll be they're going to be undervalued. Um, so maybe as a short term play, if you wanted to gamble on that, that might make sense. But I don't think that's why anybody's in REITs uh, to just be bought out by Blackstone. Maybe if you're trading at a discount to your to your uh, private market net asset value. But anyways, that, so that's REITs. And then really the last way to invest in property is on your own actively. So active real estate, that's uh, investing in individual uh, properties yourself or as a, as a group with a partner and you own the property outright. So you're the, you, unless you hire a company for accounting and property management and other things, you're doing all the work. This is how I started out. Um, you know, I bought my first deal. I did all the work to find it, to finance it. I guaranteed the loan. I was the property manager. I was the accountant. I was the snow shoveler. I was, I, I did everything. I was the maintenance, uh, dispatch center. I guess I didn't know how to fix everything, but I, you know, everything came through me. Um, it was a, a part-time job. Um, the whole time that I had, all, um, that I, from it's been a part-time or full-time job since I was 19 and bought that first property. So if you, but if you have the time and interest to do that, it is a great way to invest in property. So you have full control over your investment. Uh, you're, you know, you can sell at any point. So, you know, when I said, the funds and other things call it like a think of it as a three to 10 year time horizon. Um, if you own the deal yourself, I mean, you, you can determine what the time horizon is. You can hold it for longer than 10 years if you want, or if you really need to sell it, you can sell it quicker. Uh, the transaction costs are so high in real estate that will just never really make any sense, uh, to just buy something and own it for like six months and then sell. Um, you know, unless it's, it's been, you know, maybe if you bought something in a certain place right before COVID and everybody moved there, you could sell and, and make a crazy return in a year. But normally that's never the case. So that's not really, um, it's not, but you, you do control it. So you have full, um, full control of, of whatever decisions are being made. You're not relying on anybody else. So you don't, um, uh, you know, you, that's, that's like plus number one. And then the other plus is you're not, you don't pay any fees. Like if you invest in a fund or a syndication or a REIT, obviously they charge fees. There's a way they have to pay for their staff and overhead. And, and hopefully at the end of the day, make some additional return for all the, uh, all the extra work of, of bringing the investors along and running the fund or the, the syndication or the REIT. So, you know, like that's, uh, so if you can buy it directly, like you're cutting out any of those fees, you just own it yourself. So there's no, asset management fee or acquisition fee or, uh, pr promote that people are charging, um, on the deal. Cause you just own it. So, um, but you know, eventually that could, that's going to turn into like a lot of work. So if that's not what you're looking to do, then that's not going to be a fit. We've actually had quite a few people invest in our deals where they've bought one or two properties themselves. Um, they, they like real estate, but then they realize how much time it is. And they looked at what they were making and thought, okay, I can make basically the same return just investing in your guys's deals um whether that's us or another fund like it's it's not unique to us but like any anybody who's doing this professionally like we are we we know what we're doing we have professionals we have 
experience. We know the right moves to make. We know the right people to call. We get deals sent to us before others do. We have uh, really good market knowledge, really good market knowledge and resources here. So then what ends up happening a lot of times, even after deducting the fees, you're more or less, you're sort of paying for yourself, like the net return, um, on a passive investment, it might be the same return that you might make buying a deal on your own. You know, you're buying your first deal. You're going to make mistakes. It's, it's going to not, it's just not a straight line up on just every deal being super successful. So ideally you've, you know, if you're trying to, um, uh, so anyways, that's, that's sort of the thought on the people that maybe buy a couple properties and then switch to be a passive investor. Um, so hopefully, hopefully that covers, uh, everything people wanted to know on that. I know we've had just kind of some people reaching out with different ideas for podcasts and, um, just wanted to shoot a couple, maybe different things, uh, that we hadn't talked about. So that's one. So I think that's it. So thanks for joining us. Appreciate everybody listening. Don't forget, uh, if you can leave a rating or review, obviously five star, um, and whatever platform you're listening on, I definitely appreciate it. Help feed those algorithms and other people hear about the podcast. So thanks for joining us and I'll see you on the next episode. Thanks for joining us on the rise and invest podcast. Please be sure to hit that subscribe button on YouTube or wherever you enjoy your podcast. If you'd like to dive even deeper into real estate investing, check out our company's website, riseinvest.com, where we have numerous free resources and information that can help both active and passive real estate investors. Our 100 plus page passive investing guidebook, our trends report, and our blog are all available on our website. If you are an accredited investor, you can get started today as a passive investor in our multifamily investment opportunities by hitting the invest now button on our website. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of Drew Brenneman and guests as of the date of recording and do not purport to reflect the views or opinions of Rise Invest Holdings LLC and its subsidiaries. The views and opinions are provided for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon or deemed as investment or tax advice or an offer to buy or sell securities. And the speaker cannot be held responsible for any direct or incidental loss incurred by applying any of the information offered.